and welcome to the City of Fruit podcast. Fruit is used as a metaphor, not of our direct actions, but the things produced as a result of our lives. This isn't about just the things that we're accomplishing, but the true deeper meaning and lasting impact of what we're doing. This is your host, Palmer Thomas, and I'm excited to have you here on this journey with me. Mark Smezrud from Purple Door Coffee. How are you doing today, Mark? Doing well. Good, good. So this is the City of Fruit podcast. So the first question we like to ask is, what is your favorite fruit? My favorite fruit, I would say probably a pear. A pear. Okay, why a pear? That's a good answer. I, I think that they're they're a little underrated. You know, they're not the prettiest of fruit. They get bruised up pretty easy, but when they're ripe, they're absolutely delicious. I that's that's very true. Um, or another fruit, a coffee fruit. Yeah, Coffee's coffee cherry, isn't yeah. it? So yeah. What, uh, so just tell us a little bit about, about Purple Door. Yeah, Purple Door is a specialty coffee company. We've been around since 2013. Uh, we operated a, a coffee shop uh, that was serving other roasters in town uh, since then. And then um, we started roasting about two and a half years ago. Um, and uh, But we closed our shop just two months ago to focus on our roasting. But our overall mission and our main focus and reason for existing is to give jobs and job training to homeless youth and young adults here in Denver. So cool, which is which is such a cool mission that you have. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into that. I think one interesting thing that we've talked about a little bit is how um, it kind of makes for a harder business model. It's yeah. definitely not like most of the time you hire based on how much experience someone has, and this is kind of the opposite of that, um, which has I'm sure made the whole process a little bit tougher. But uh, how did how did you even decide to do that? How did that even come about? Why why did you do that? Why did you even start this company? Yeah. So when I was in college, I, I interned with our partner organization, Dry Bones Denver. Um, and Dry Bones exists to just build relationships and, and do outreach among homeless youth and, and just communicate worth, value, and dignity to this population. Um, that's a large population here in Denver. And so during that internship, I just really fell in love with this population and, and really felt like I was supposed to be working with them in some capacity long term. And uh, Dry Bones for years had had a dream of creating some sort of job training component to what they're doing. And so in 2012, uh, they reached out to me. Um, my co-founder reached out to me and, and uh, we um, yeah, I quit my job in Texas and, and moved up here to, to get started on uh, creating jobs for this population uh, just because one of the, the surest ways to help someone exit street life is to help them know how to make an income and to be able to pay their bills. And and, um, and then the the more, uh, I guess, squishy component of what we do is to, to kind of communicate that worth, value, and dignity. You know, it's not there's not measurable outcomes with that, but uh, it's such a huge foundational element to someone's success to understand that they uh, have value and worth and, and are deserving of a good and healthy and beautiful life. Um, and so that's yeah. uh, what's woven through everything we do, even as we teach how to package up coffee, how to do order fulfillment, how to um, create a budget or open a bank account. But um, all of that is built on the foundation of their uh, inherent value and worth. Yeah. Well, and so cool that you um, you run, it's a nonprofit. Correct. Um, but that the point is that and that you were, are directly impacting that. Um, I remember you you mentioned that there, uh, so some nonprofits will like raise money on the front end like normal and then kind of give give away resources or whatever. Um, but that r- what was the name of the model that this is called? Again? Yeah, so this is a job training social enterprise. So there's a lot of different social enterprises out there. You know, great things like oh yeah, we sell coffee maybe and then 
10% of that goes to clean water projects or, you know, AIDS relief or whatever it is, which is really great. Um, but you get to kind of run a traditional business uh, beyond what you're kicking back from your profits. You, know, you can hire the best talent. You can uh, do marketing in a traditional way. You can kind of stick to the books on a business side of things. This, um, our mission is woven into every aspect of our model, um, which is simultaneously beautiful and, simul and very, very challenging. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good coffee. As yeah. well, which yeah. is something that's not lost in that. Yeah, well, kind of the nonprofit coffee shop is has been a thing, you know, for for decades, really. And, and um, part of the stigma that came with that was like, oh yeah, they do good, but their coffee's not very good, you know. And and we wanted to kind of buck against that, so uh, we really are uh, committed to the quality because uh, it also ties directly to our mission. If we were going to create a job for somebody, we wanted it to be a real job and to also have really high standards uh, because that's going to make a better worker, but it also helps communicate that value and that worth. Like, we believe in you and we know that you can live up to these standards, um, and uh, it just helps our employees understand that they are capable because uh, if it was just something thrown together not a very good coffee um, then there would just be it's tough to, to challenge somebody and say hey you need to do better um, at your job when we don't seem to care about the product mm. yeah no that's really good what um, so currently like you it, it's there's not a shop just roasting correct and is there a way so you do like some large church orders and some businesses and different things like that is there a way for people to just find out and to order coffee for themselves yep if you go to purpledoorcoffee.com there's um, a way to sign up for subscriptions so we'd ship coffee to you every two weeks or every month depending on what you sign up for and then you can also just do one-off orders um, right through the website uh, and then uh, if you ever want to set up a tour of our coffee roasting facility we'll do that and we can sell direct to consumer that way um, and then we also do some catering and so if people need uh, coffee for a meeting or a conference or something like that we can definitely do that as well yeah awesome and then just like social media and stuff are you on there just for people to find out more about what you're doing yep uh, purple door coffee is pretty much our handle for for most things uh, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So. Awesome. Yeah, I, I would love to hear just like um, a little bit about kind of the, st uh, the the population that you're serving and how that comes to be. I think like for, for someone who doesn't necessarily understand, um, you know, just like just, just people on the streets in general, um, you know, you said that they call themselves street kids. Yep. And just that group, like I think uh, people – you know, experiencing homelessness that are like adults and things, it's it's a little bit different of a of a field. Even like the place that I live, right? It's it's um it's servicing uh, families, and so even that population is a little bit different than I think people who have been on the streets for a long time in their life, or maybe are in different mindsets about things. But for the youth and like young adult population, um, that seems like something one that I really don't understand, um, but two like something where. Uh, I, I think even for me, it feels it feels like more of like an, an injustice. Like I feel more of a burden. I feel more of like uh, that, you know, that, that you don't you're probably not a youth who knows everything about the world and decides, oh, I want to go and be on the streets. Right. So, yeah, just what does that kind of look like? I'm sure you've experienced a lot of people in these realms, even working with dry bones. And um, how do you best? you know, get involved or how does that even come to be? Yeah. So this population is, is an interesting one. And, and one of the really important things that we try to do is honor the individuality of every story. Yeah, sure. Uh, but at the same time, there are some, some consistent themes as to why kids end up out on the streets. Right. Um, 
and, and so some of the big ones are uh, aging out of the foster care system. That's a huge reason. A lot of young people end up on the streets um, aging out or running away from the foster care system. So folks that are already disconnected from their parents, whether their parents have uh, passed away or whether they're in prison or uh, they've just you know, lost custody of their kids. And so, uh, so there is somewhat of a generational impact in that regard, right? So the, the parents are obviously not in an ideal situation. And so uh, the kids end up in foster care system and, and eventually potentially on the streets. And so um, another is that generational um, element of actual homelessness. And so we had some uh, folks that have worked for us in the past that were actually born when their parents were homeless, you know? And so uh, that's, that's just the life that they've known, you know? And, um, and then the other component is just sometimes running away from really bad situations. And so uh, maybe their parents are abusive or addicts. Or, um, and then the interesting thing is that when the individuals uh, that end up on the streets, they find other people with similar stories. And so they f- find a sense of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, they call themselves street kids, right? And it's this, this whole community, this culture uh, that's present in a, quite a few different cities around the country. Um, Denver is, is one of the bigger ones, though. And so uh, it's, it's definitely this quirky little community that um, has some real beauty and that uh, our employees and, and you know, the folks that we work with end up finding belonging for maybe the first time in their life Um, but then there's also some really challenging elements of of the culture um, that are toxic and unhealthy and so uh, one of the big stigmas that is put on any homeless population is that addiction is the reason that they're there and with that which addiction is a lot of times the reason that people stay on the streets but with this population it's not usually the reason that they are out on the streets Mm. in the first place right Um, it's not like when somebody who owns their home, then falls into addiction. They can't hold a job, can't um, pay the bills. They get evicted or, you know, they get uh, their house repossessed or whatever. Uh, and then that's how they end up homeless with street kids. A lot of times it's like, no, you were 12 years old and uh, your mom kicked you out because her boyfriend didn't like you. Uh, that's a story I've heard from multiple individuals, you know. Um, and then when you're out on the streets, that's when you're going to encounter drug culture or something like that. And uh, it's... Yeah, so I think a lot of times folks are stigmatized as addicts, and that's why you're there. Therefore, you deserve to be there. And this population, so frequently, it's um, addiction is actually a product of homelessness. Yeah. Um, homelessness is not a product of their addiction. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah, that, that makes sense. I, what what um, other ways or other things or resources or just like ways are are, are groups impacting or, or trying to assist this group or trying yeah to... so this this group a lot of times is the one that falls through kind of the cracks yeah, of the yeah. cracks right and so you know there's some really great interventions now um, for kids that have aged out of the foster care system you know they've coined the term now opportunity youth so that's 16 to 24 that's not working or in school um, so there's more and more services and funding going that direction but the the hurdle with that is what we're seeing is that there's like kind of a new aging out um, when somebody turns 25 now mm. there's no more services and so um, and that's why we and, and dry bones both haven't set hard demographic uh, parameters you know this age to this age it's more this population population and so yeah. um, because what we've seen is when you set hard ages is that you end up missing um, folks and so we work with kind of some of the hardest to serve the ones that have been missed by all of those interventions and so so that's what we're doing that's what dry bones is doing there's um, some other housing programs that have popped up some other job training programs um, that are just a little bit more flexible in in their intake method and um, and even just their overall approach it t- tends to be highly relational which is what 
this population needs, which ends up being more time intensive, more expensive, uh, but it's what's actually needed for this, this yeah. human life. And so, it's a sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, what that leads to this and what, what's something that you think that people could, can do personally, maybe, I mean, I'm sure this is like a hard, a hard group to reach. Yeah. Um, but like personally could do more to, to just help impact this, this group. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things is to just open your eyes and be aware, um, and, and be open and, and willing to assist and serve as needs and, and, um, opportunities arise. Uh, this population is, they just get overlooked a lot. And so the fact that you can actually just see someone and acknowledge their humanity um, goes a long, long way. Uh, but then from there, hopefully that leads to the openness of relationship. And uh, then you can start discovering individual needs. And so I think it's a, a matter of adjusting your mindset of this isn't a population that just needs to be oh yeah, I'll just send food or blankets or whatever. But this is a population that needs connection um, yeah. and community. Um, and just be willing to, to engage with somebody that is might be a little bit other than you are, uh, a little bit different than you are. Um, because I've learned so much from this population and I think it's key that we don't um, just view them as a problem or a project to be solved or worked on, um, but to, to be willing to enter into relationship. And so I think, I mean, Dry Bones has some amazing volunteer opportunities. Um, I'd love to talk to anybody that's interested. And so I think it's a matter of just being willing to say, hey, I want to be a part of um, serving this community and being among this community. And so that's our big language. We don't say it's necessarily uh, a program to this population. It's, yeah. it's among, we're, we're with, we're with, yeah. we're walking alongside, we're running this coffee company. Um, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to get the coffee out the door without our program participants, you know? Yeah. And so they're a part of this team. It's not like, oh yeah, you're a pity case or a charity case. It's no, we want to see you thrive and, and to exist um, in a healthy way and you have assets that can help us get our job done and so yeah. we want to make sure that we create those opportunities and I think that that mindset is what needs to be adopted in in a lot of areas of service you know it's not um, this uh, oh I have and they don't and therefore I can help them it's no like hey we're human and, and we're all struggling and uh, my struggles look different than this individual's but um, let's mm. be in in relationship with one another and so we can help solve and um, work on each of our problems. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. It's like the, I mean, the Bible talks about like loving the widows and the orphans. And I think that when we read that sometimes it's like, think of them still as widows and orphans. Yep. But I think it's like, don't like it's don't forget those people. Don't yep. lose, you know, as people yep. as well as like one of us. And I'm sure, and there's so much more to learn. I'm sure you've learned a ton from um, even that sacrifice uh, that's, a sacrifice, but not like, oh, I'm, this is such a burden for me. I hate this. Mm -hmm. um, what what was what would something you'd what would be something that you'd say, or just some advice you'd give to people who, let's say, are starting a business. Maybe it's not a coffee shop, just yep. anything, or they, um, you know, are looking to to be able to make a difference through their company or through their uh, nonprofit or whatever it is that they're looking to to run after. Um, and then like talking about, hey, is that sacrifice even worth it? Right. You know. Yeah. That's tricky. Um, I, I think that uh, whatever you decide to do in regards to pursuing a business, like and especially the social impact component, it has to be true to who you are. Um, otherwise, it won't be sustainable. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, it'd be so great to employ this population, but you don't actually have a heart for that population. Yeah. That's not going to be sustainable yeah. and it's not going to work well. So I think it's a, a big component. It's you got to take an inventory of yourself and what you're passionate about and what you want to see change in the world. Um, 
and realize that you can do something about that um, and and step into that fully. You know, I think a lot of people just try to kind of dip their toe in the water and say, oh, that's a little hard, um, not going to do it. But if it's coming from an authentic um, place in yourself, something that you deeply and genuinely care about, um, I think you just got to go for it. And, and, and yeah, it's going to be hard and it's going to require sacrifice and challenge. But um, if it's kind of integral to who you are and what you care about in this world, um, you're going to figure it out because there's enough uh, passion along with the acumen of whatever business you've stepped into. Um, like it, it works, you know? Um, and again, it's hard, but I mean, I stepped into this with zero business background, but I just loved this population. Um, I could learn business, you know, but if I didn't actually care about this population ahead of time, um, I would have been out of this a long time ago. Um, but here I am seven and a half years later. So. Yeah. How cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for the time today and yeah. sitting down. Um, again, make sure to check out Purple Door on all the social medias, uh, Purple Door Coffee, um, or even just reach out to Mark if you want to talk about this this group or coffee or, or anything like that. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to, uh, to seeing what comes of this in the future as well. Excited for, for everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning into this episode of the City of Fruit podcast. We're a young podcast, so we're in need of your help. If you'd like to financially support or have any ideas of people to have on the show or ideas to talk about, please email me at cityoffruit at gmail.com. Also, remember to follow on Instagram at cityoffruit for all the updates of what we'll be doing and where things will be posted. Please get the word out there and share this with your friends around Denver and the world. And together, we can make this a City of Fruit.